fans for Kansas City fans. My name is Armando, aka Hot Tech Mondo, and I am joined by my friend Reese, aka the Reese Incarnate Bach Lesnar. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, is just off the tongue beautifully today. And today we have an amazing episode for you. Not only are we talking Chiefs, but today is an important day in Fountain City Sports Media history. Uh, once this is posted, this is going to be number 100 on the episode doc, Reese. We have done, this is currently our 100th episode episode. Uh, There's a lot to get into with that. I mean, uh, first of all, just a celebration that we've been able to like do a hundred freaking episodes. I'm sure we're going to get into this more, but we can, we can, we can free, uh, free range this if you want. Reese, how are you doing? And what do you think about this being episode number 100 i think it's pretty impressive especially for a weekly podcast because what's it they say with marriage is like most marriages don't last like five years well i think i read somewhere that like the 100 episode mark is the equivalent of kind of like the five-year marriage point where it's like all right you've survived this long so after this it's still gonna be work but you survived the hardest part of it so congratulations no, I'm I'm stoked, dude. It's super crazy. I never would have thought that when we were just when I was just dinking around with you guys in a closet in a no bedroom apartment that, you know, here would be <laughs> almost pretty close to three years. No, nah, it's it's a big two. A big two years later. Yeah, a hundred episodes. Yeah, three thousand downloads and growing. It's it's great. It's great. Yeah, without without getting too sappy, I will say that it, it is very easy to work with a guy like the recent incarnate Bach Lesnar. I mean, everyone that knows him personally knows he's just he's just the nicest guy, one of one of the one of the coolest, greatest guys I've ever met, but also wants to get down to work, wants to put out a good product. So it's just it was an easy pairing. I don't think Reese and I have ever ever had any issues. I mean, we've had discrepancies on what we want, the vision of the podcast or like decisions, but Nothing ever crazy. So it's super easy to work with this guy, Reese, here. Uh, Very, very, very simple. And because of that, I want to ask the viewers, because this is our 100th episode, please consider donating to this podcast. Because how would you not want to donate to this man, Reese, the Reese incarnate Bach Lesnar, on his 100th episode? So, Reese, tell them where they can donate a, a measly $2 a month, which is a fourth of what they spend on Netflix, or a tenth or a hundredth of what they spend at Starbucks every month. I mean, as you mentioned, for less than the price of one cup of coffee a month, you can become an official friend of the podcast by going to patreon.com backslash FCSM. We'll find outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews, including our latest 10-part miniseries, Speedy and Angry. We put that we put the first episode out this week as a as a bonus episode for everyone to get a taste of it. Armando, did you check out Speedy and Angry? episode one i i have i have not checked out speedy and angry yet that's why i i had a jerk a knee-jerk reaction to that title (laughs) dude you absolutely should check it out it's a it's a really good time alex knows a crap ton about cars and in particular he said he's seen fast and furious one like a thousand times so he was able to like point out all these things in this film he's like watch this he's he said paul walker's gonna pull into fast and curb check on his truck and like he absolutely does 
Like I don't think he, he meant to do it, but like it happens. So. Oh, like like a blooper, and they just kept it in. I, th- I think basically, yeah. So, wow. Yeah. What's what's Alex's history with cars? Uh, his dad works at GM, so I mean, Alex has been born ah. and raised by the gears, dude. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh shoot. Then I, I I gotta get on one of those pods and watch Fast and Furious just to hear some car knowledge. Then up next is Too Fast, Too Furious, probably one of the most infamous <laughs> in the franchise. Is this so like uh, so in the in the lore of Fast and Furious, did they know it was going to kick off by number one or it had to be number two, three before they knew this was going to be a a cult following? I was I mean, the the pivot point in the franchise is Fast Five. That's when like it became the heist film thing and it really kind of got its second wind and became what it is today. But I would say, I mean, it's it's interesting because I'd say around Tokyo Drift, which is three, or Fast and the Furious, which is number four, that's probably like when the franchise really started getting its roots dug in deep. Speaking of franchises getting their roots dug in deep, Armando, over the span of 100 episodes of Fountain City Sports Media, are there any things that stick out in particular to you? Oh, man, you know, I was going to ask you the same thing. I was going to ask what was your favorite episode and what's your least favorite episode. Um, Without scrolling too much, I mean, just off the bat, uh, definitely almost all of our interviews have been a lot of fun Mm. and really engaging. I mean, going back to Wyatt, who was the original, who like probably is our most famous person ends up being the very first person we bring in. It's like, it's like a small opera company bringing in like Dmitry Vorostovsky to do like a one, a one-off concert, which is actually a true story. I've done that with him. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just crazy doing that from having Skip on. I mean, all those like first episodes where we had no idea what we were doing, mm-hmm. um, but still making like engaging content and having some really great hosts or some guests on. It was really like exhilarating because I didn't know where this podcast would go or like how good we actually were at it. But the more we got into it, the more like we were able to like then do podcasts just off the cuff, like interview wise with some really, you know, well-known people in their industries that's when i was like dude this is really awesome but yeah definitely one of my favorites was the wyatt mills one um with the one with skip i think was probably the most fun just hearing all the stories with him um man and then obviously um let's see i you know chiefs chargers i think this past year was probably our most exciting chiefs episode oh yeah talking about that uh, yep. That was super epic. I'll I'll never forget Chiefs Chargers episode. Yeah, I don't. How about you? I, I'm gonna keep scrolling. What what are some ones that stand out for you? I mean, obviously the Wyatt interview is that's our to this point that is our uh, MDMA Elon Musk Joe Rogan episode. You know, I, I think I think that's probably the interview in one of the episodes that was like the, one of the de facto defining episodes of this podcast so far. Uh, I would also say drafts on drafts one was probably oh, yeah. there because I don't think we'd ever taken on something that huge, which speaking of which, ladies and gentlemen, drafts on drafts part two coming a coming week from back, Thursday. Baby. Get ready for that. That's going to be insane. We'll, we'll post more information on social media later about that. But uh, some other ones that stick out. This is a, a low key sleeper. Uh, remember Goodwill Haunting, the story of Kansas Jayhawks football? 
Yeah, I actually wasn't in that one, but of course I remember it. <laughs> I, that was a weird episode. I mean, the whole like having the backing track to it and having it be like a documentary episode. And I think it was Stone Cold Chief Austin's first episode, wasn't it? Yep. Yep, I think so. So that that's one that sticks out in my mind. Uh, but yeah, what are some of your least favorite episodes? <laughs> um, you know what? When we first started doing um, sporting episodes, those were really difficult for me oh, because yeah. I didn't like I, I like sporting, but I really don't know soccer to the like to a T like you and Kyle did. So mm-hmm. like our first, like even our first episode, Minnesota meltdown was something that I was so foreign to me that I, I did. So I was so nervous. Like you can definitely tell if you go back to the episode that I was really just like making it up on the fly. Like I had, I had stuff to talk about, but it was, it was so foreign for me to talk about those like starting out were, were my least favorite. But of course, the more I watched it, the more I like learned about the MLS soccer, like then it became a lot more fun. And I I've learned so much. I've learned so much about football. I mean, like I thought I knew about football, but like researching the chiefs, like there's no way two years ago, even watching, um, Alex Smith or sorry, not two years ago, um, like five or six, it just feels like two years ago, five or six years ago, watching Alex Smith with you. There's no way the things that I know now about the chiefs offense and chiefs defense, I would have, I would have never known. Uh, when I just saw, um, the, uh, small, small market bias, the, uh, our, our uh, bubble boy edition, oh. that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I know. Oh, and then we talked about Giannis. I remember talking about Giannis comparing them to Shaq, which, um, it could still pan out if he wins another championship. It really could pan out. Yeah. Let's see. No, I'm just just scrolling through. I wonder if there's any Chiefs episodes that like really stick in my mind. Oh, you know, uh, Chiefs Browns. I think us uh, us winning at the end. Oh, us yeah. Talking about that and talking about Henny. Anything is possible. That was a really fun episode. Oh, that Chiefs oh, Browns man. episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, dude. Oh, that was a good one. Dude. Oh, uh, obviously, one of the worst ones was our uh, post uh kansas city chiefs uh bucks super bowl instant reaction that one was awful yeah that breaks my heart i'm with you though there were some uh there were some like 2021 sporting royals casts where it's like okay so sporting is just playing okay and the royals are playing terrible how do we draw a 45 minute episode (laughs) out of this (laughs) <laughs> we ended up actually those epi- it's funny like those of you that um are interested in podcasting or like the the uh, the uh, things that you don't know a lot about you end up talking about more as opposed to the things that you do know about are actually you actually get to your point much quicker and more concise where like if you if you do go back to our sporting episodes i feel like we talked about them for hours because like i could never know what point i wanted to mix i was just like tossing and turning and what i wanted to say and so that's actually really funny um our uh, our first what if episode july 2021 i think that 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 was the start of something fun i forget what we did for the actual first what if episode but um that that's a fun series i know we just did a like a what if in our text chain so that's gonna be really cool Mm -hmm. um to do more of that let's see i feel like i had one more that i wanted to say i think too, let me see too fast too oh, brewerious was pretty fun because that was the intro into season two once we'd got our new uh logo and marketing tools that was a fun point <laughs> oh and how could we forget our sunflower state fc oh sunflower state fc is probably probably our, yeah yeah 
great people. Yeah, I mean, we've look, we've met so many great people along the way. We've formulated this group chat. And we're going to have someone on right now to talk from the group chat. Um, yeah, just a lot of memories have been made. And uh, oh, we got one more thing. But uh, before I say that, just or before you come in, uh, yeah, I think a lot of memories have been made. I feel like even though I've lived so far away from you and Kyle and from the beginning, um, it really just feels like, cause like when I moved to Colorado, I still don't really have any close friends. So it really felt like when we can meet every week for the past, you know, two solid years, it feels like you all are still here. It's great. Anyway, what are you gonna say? Well, that's a great way to put it. Uh, now speaking of Kyle Armando, do you remember season zero? I, I do remember season zero. I hope, I hope whatever you're about to show has been uh, has been monitored. And <laughs> do you remember reviewing a Hefeweizen from Trader Joe's? Yes. <laughs> do you remember how many times you said the word banana? In that beer review. Oh, no, I did not. Don't tell me you went back and put down all the times I said banana. Do you remember how I said with all the times you said banana, if we got a Patreon subscriber, I would put it together in a ringtone and release it to the public? You're kidding. No way. I have been sitting on this for over two years now. Because I had to wait for just the right time to drop it. And I said, what better time than our 100th episode (laughs) spectacular? So, Reese, what the hell? Without further ado, if you can't hear this, Armando, let me know. But here is that aforementioned ringtone. It's that time of the show again where we go around and we review the beers we have in our fridge or the beers we've been itching to try <laughs> or just the beer we feel like drinking. Shout out to Gupta. And as we talked about, oh, hell yeah. it is Armando's turn <laughs> to break the seal, so to say. So Armando, I'm going to throw it to you. What you got sipping today? A lot of banana, a lot of clove. Dark banana dough. Um, I like a little fresher banana smell on my Hefeweizen. A lot of banana, a lot of clove. Dark banana dough. Um, I like a little fresher banana smell on my Hefeweizen. Why is Armando drinking lean during the podcast? This one tastes like milky banana. This one tastes like banana smoothie. This one tastes like heavier flavor on the banana. This one tastes like not what I thought it was going to taste like. A lot of banana, a lot of clove. Dark banana dough. Um, I like a little fresher banana smell on my Hefeweizen. A lot of banana, a lot of clove. Dark banana dough. Um, 
like a little fresher than in the snow on Megapolitan. Okay, so I'm about to do some aroma tasting on this guy. Everybody cheat! <laughs> you think of like a ripe banana, it's like a ripe burr banana. You think of like a ripe banana, it's like a ripe bird banana. You think of like a ripe banana, it's like a ripe bird banana. Because of the ripe banana, I'm gonna give it a 7.5 on aroma. Banana, dark banana, fresher banana, ripe banana, riper banana. Riper banana, milky banana, banana smoothie, banana, thicker banana, 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 dark banana, banana, fresh, dark banana, banana, fresh, dark banana, banana, fresh, dark banana, 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 This is getting skunky really fast. <laughs> a lot of banana, a lot of clove. Dark banana though. Uh, I like a little fresher banana smell on my Hefeweizen. A lot of banana, a lot of clove. Dark banana though. Uh, I like a little fresher banana smell on my Hefeweizen. <laughs> Shout out, shout out, Gunta. Oh my goodness, Reese. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have, I have like a thousand questions about what just happened. <laughs> so that first off, how, how, how many hours did it take you to make that? Okay. So to vindicate myself. I did that. This was in the wild west days of COVID when we were still in lockdown. So I had like an entire day of sitting at home with nothing to do. <laughs> and I wanted to get better at GarageBand so I could make us better quality podcasts. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to mess around. And I'm like, okay, he says he says banana this many times, which was like 16 or something like that. And just the more I got with it, I'm like, how would the sound auto-tuned? And just like when I auto-tuned it, like the way you said it just made it sound like super sing songy. And I'm like looking at these lines and I'm like, all right, this would have been cooler back in like 2010. But like if Drake didn't auto tune to beer review, what would it sound like? So I just snip those things together, <laughs> cut them together, a little bit of post processing. And there you go. Project B. How, how, how do you have the, uh, the uh, tools to do auto tune on GarageBand? Did you have to have a, do you have a program for you that? And have you done auto tune before? You can auto tune on GarageBand. It's not like the, the thing with that is like, you don't have the best control over it. So like you can't put things on specific notes. So like what you get is what you get. So it just happened that like the way you said a lot of banana, a lot of clove was like a lot of banana, a lot of clove. And I'm like, Oh, that's dope. So I figured out it was in C minor and just like, you know, put some backing tracks and rap air horns and uh, that'll be on our, our solo album. That that may be the most creative thing someone has done with such a boring 
mundane monotone Armando beer review about banana. Dude, it, it was a great beer review. And if you want to listen to that beer review. Dude, that is so funny. It is a, that is season zero episode. <laughs> it's on Patreon. So if you want to hear the whole beer review, you got to head over to Patreon and check it out. And I will put that track up on Patreon for our subscribers on Patreon. So. <laughs> Please, please send that to me so I can show Logan. She's she's going to die, literally die laughing. Absolutely, I will send that, that over to you guys. So. Oh my goodness! Well, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, boy, did you get a treat today? Because we all know Reese is a intelligent, artistic mind, as we've heard his round ball round ball rock reedition. Um, I had no idea that Reese also knew how to do auto tune, make something sound like. 2007 Drake and whoever else was auto-tuning T-Pain that was that was actually really like solid like like you said honestly like if you if if you knew about GarageBand and your skills in 2007 I think I think you could have made a career Reese dang man you you and uh, Timbaland Timbaland going at Th- thank you that's you know that's that's probably the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me and I could only I could only hope that in another reality uh college dorm room garage band Reese gets picked up by Dr. Dre and uh I'm just sitting there with my MacBook at the Super Bowl halftime show this last year like oh crap it's auto-tuned the beer reviews oh <laughs> it's 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 Reese the Bach Lesnar <laughs> for the recent carnet. A lot of banana. Ring, ring, ring. Banana. Well, that was the best part, too, is that like everything, like even that Kyle's was, that was interjections that we threw in there were all things he said during that beer review. So the fact like he just made like a cohesive <laughs> song was just gravy. At first I thought he said Sanjay Gupta, but I, I forgot we had we had Gunta. Yeah. Who, uh, who who was played by my wife. Yep. Shout out to Gunta. <laughs> oh my gosh. So crazy. Ladies and gentlemen, again, if you love what you're hearing or you hate it, go ahead and give us a shout out on Apple Podcasts, Apple Music, wherever you can comment about this podcast and we will read it live. And if you love it, go ahead and donate. Like we said, only $2 a month. We're asking our viewers today on the 100th episode. And right now we are about to bring in a friend to commemorate this 100 episode. He's actually only been on the podcast once, um, but but our friend is also on our famous or infamous Fountain Fantasy text chain. Before we talk about him, though, Reese, shall we put a button? Anything else you want to talk about celebrating our 100th episode? But we can always, during the beer review, we can reminisce and talk even more uh i just want to say thank you to everyone who's still listening to the podcast at this point thank you for taking the time to subscribe and and being our friends and and being our podcast friends and all that stuff and it's it's been a fun ride and i don't see it ending anytime soon lord willing i say knocking on wood and armando it's been a heck of a journey i look forward to what we have in the next hundred episodes Oh my gosh! Yeah, things are just gonna get better. We're 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 just figuring out our groove, man. I mean, really, in the past like twenty episodes, it's like things just feel like they're clicking, no matter what we talk about, and it's all really really awesome stuff. And we're about to have some even more awesomer things happening in this podcast today. So, like we said, we're gonna do drafts on drafts uh, in almost a week or just a little over a week. So before we do that, um, since last year, we didn't really get, we really couldn't get into talking about specifics on the drafts, on drafts, on drafts. Things went by, literally that four hours went by so fast. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
Like it was, it was truly amazing that we were able to accomplish what we accomplished. Um, so in doing so, I felt like we should do another episode just to kind of break down and kind of precursor what's going to happen in the following weeks and to see if we can, um, see any trends or really talk specifics on some players that we might like. So we're going to bring on today, our friend, Sam Kuiper Jr. And let's see if we get him in. I think he's dialing in now. Sam Kuiper Jr., can you hear us? I can hear you guys. Can you hear me? Heck yeah. Yeah. And if you if, right. if you want to show us some face, you are allowed to put your video on. It'll just be for us. Sure. It's your thing. You're welcome, Reese. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so excited. Yeah, you know, I'm doing okay. How about you guys? Pods start off great. You got your your fire intro, your hot takes. You saved some for me, yeah? Oh, we haven't even gotten to the hot takes. We actually, so we won't spoil it for you, Sam, but but Reese had an excellent gift for me on our 100th episode today, actually. So it was amazing. You're going to have to wait till next week to check out the podcast, but it it was quite the opener, if I say so myself. Yeah, 100 pods. Congrats, guys. That's that's an achievement for sure. Thanks so much. And who... who and and who better to have on than our than our uh, Fountain City sports media lawyer Sam Kuiper Jr. A.K.A. Sam Holly Esquire. Esquire. What's going on, Sam? Is your uh, is your memo app on? Or are we ready to roll? And we're ready to go. I'm pretty sure I I got everything going, so we should be should okay, be good. all right. Good. Still can't see you if you turned on your video, but um, don't worry. We don't have to see you. I, I just want to see your face when I just give you all the hot takes and then you give me all the cold takes. Sure. As God intended. <laughs> all right. All right. So, so Sam, tell us, tell us about yourself. Um, how, how are you involved in Fountain Fantasy or how did you get involved in it? Um, also, tell the viewers why we have you on to talk about the draft and let us know what your research has been in the past year. Yeah. So I got in with the, the Fountain Fantasy bunch um, through a mutual friend, David, my brother-in-law, who knew Reese, who obviously knows everybody involved in the the Fountain Fantasy uh, lifestyle. Let's put it that way. Um, (laughs) And I got invited to, you know, partake in fantasy football and I'm never one to turn down a fantasy league. And it started out very, very poorly, but we pulled things together and we, we we finished you know we got smashed in the championship but i think i was 0 and 4 0 and 5 to start the season so i'll take a, a championship loss given the start that i had um and you know i i love fantasy drafts but i love the nfl draft even more it's a bit of a a hobby for sure but i try and see who people either on on the twitters the tweets who who they're saying they like and i check out draft boards and i go and i pull up uh clips and and any tape i can get my hands on on some of the people that get talked about and i look through combine pro day stuff to see okay who's who's testing well what are people saying about the guys that are testing and and that's just kind of how i like to approach the off season Solid, solid. Yeah. And um, also what Sam does is Sam actually has a big board of how many people over 100 people you said you've rated thus far? 
Yeah, I don't know if it was at a, a hundred. It was at seventy five, I think. Last I checked. Um, okay, solid. Not not solid. too so, crazy, but you know. So Sam, so Sam is pretty knowledgeable for at least the first two and a half rounds, which is where a lot of the firepower is going to happen for the Chiefs. Hopefully, unless we trade down. Um, so wanted to have Sam on to kind of give his opinions on some players. I know that we definitely do not see eye to eye on a lot of issues, but one issue that I do respect Sam Kuyper Jr. for is his draft and his draft board and his draft knowledge. Uh, but of course, today we are going to put away any Joe Burrow. Um, Josh Allen talks. We're going to put away any quarterback mobility talks. We're going to put away any uh, Jimmy G with weapons versus Matt Ryan solo talks. Uh, Maybe for another podcast, though, Sam. And ladies and gentlemen, there has been over a thousand text messages about those those three items and other things. Dude, even today (laughs) I saw on ESPN they had like some sort of headline. Let me see if it's still there. It's like, oh, here it is. Why Malik Willis's upside is too significant for scouts to ignore. And like, I was, I was ah. this close to photoshopping the word scouts and putting the words <laughs> Buffalo Mike in there. Just like half of this group chat at this point is just kind of like kicking the hornet's nest and running away. Oh, for sure. I, I, I know a lot of people, you know, they shall remain nameless and you know, a lot of it, you might you might think it's David because he's the connection, but it's not even David. I've had other people in the group text who text me to the side and and say like, "Watch this!" Like I'm trying to bait Buffalo Mike because it's it's too easy at this point. And since I clearly enjoy doing it, they 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 alert me that they're going to try. So. Uh. I think we're all guilty of that. I think that happens a lot. I was going to say, I think Buffalo Mike and I have at least a couple pages of text going, watch this. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's it's all in yeah, good I mean, fun. This, this text chain went from like no one really knew each other. So it was really like Reese texting, me saying some crap, like me definitely trying to stir the pot as much as I could with like, you know, people didn't know each other. So no one was really saying anything to like, I don't know when it was. It was really after football season when things started just going completely off the rails. Because even like, like even like Bill's Chiefs banter was still pretty cordial during the season or even like Bengals bills was still very cordial uh i don't know when it happened but then everyone decided just to free for all and it's been it's been pretty crazy since like it was normally just me saying crap to now everyone is saying crap and everyone knows everyone's triggers and we just go after it uh it sounds awful but it, it really makes the day a lot of fun especially like in the mornings oh yeah (laughs) yeah it's a nice little pick me up for sure speaking about fun (laughs) yeah it's some i don't know if it's a pick me up but speaking about fun we're gonna get into the draft then with sam kuyper judah that's right ladies and gentlemen if you love this content let me remind you please donate on patreon we're looking for just two bucks a month simple 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 um but before we do all that let's convince you why you should donate to this podcast because we bring on talent like sam kuyper jr so what we're gonna do uh sam why don't you start first and then we're going to go around the table. But not that you really care who the Chiefs draft, but just pretend, like, put put a Travis Kelsey fake jersey on or put a, <laughs> I don't know if you like anyone on the Chiefs, but just pretend you're a Chiefs Dwayne fan. Bo. And who, <laughs> Dwayne Bowe. <laughs> 
And and Sam, I just want you to pretend you're a fan. And who would you want at 29 and 30? Not like a dream scenario, but someone that could fall there. And you say, this is the person I want if I am a Chiefs fan. And assuming actually, and if you want, you can also make a trade if you'd like as a fan. Go for it. Sure. So, you know, first of all, I, I, you know, I'm a Vikings fan, so I'm obviously going to pay more attention to to them as well. But I follow your podcast, which just makes me more informed about the Chiefs in general. And also, I just I I love team building exercises, and the Chiefs are a really interesting, uh, you know, scenario where it's not like you're tearing down and you have a crap roster. You're not the Houston Texans who are trying to rebuild from from the bottom to the top, you're a team with Super Bowl aspirations every single year um, that now enter this new weird second era without Tyreek Hill and a different, um, a different kind of offense and maybe a different kind of identity to a certain extent. So from that perspective, uh, as a team building exercise, the Chiefs have always been very interesting. Um, and, and to then segue to who I would want to take uh, as far as trade up targets go or staying put, I think, you know, I mentioned Tyree kill and you guys have too. And pretty much every chiefs fan who knows anything about the draft and the off season has mentioned it as well. That getting a receiver feels like, um, you know, you can never have too many good pass catchers. How can you replace the production of Tyree kill? Well, you might not be able to, but if you can get close, you're still pretty darn good. So, if you're looking to trade up, it depends how far you want to go. Um, there was a, a Chiefs beat writer today that was actually talking about trading up to the Viking spot at pick 12 because the idea would be that, you know, you got this wave of receivers that are going to go in the teens. Um, and so if you can hop up to 12, maybe you, you uh, get there before everybody else does. Maybe one or two receivers is off the board, but you can still get one of the top guys. Now it would it would cost a lot to get up there, so you have to do the costs, the cost benefit analysis. You know, are we getting the most bang for our buck here? But you got the picks, so why not go out and get the guy you want if he's there? Um, you know, on my board, I I really like Garrett Wilson. Um, he he might not be the most physically imposing guy, um, but he is. If you're looking for a, a, a yak monster, a guy who can make people miss, that's your guy. And he maybe needs a little bit of work with his technique and needs to bulk up a little bit. But I think that those are things that he can do and he can learn. And he showed that he could do that at Ohio State. And I believe he could do it at the pro level. Um, but Armando specifically, I remember you've talked about um, wanting maybe a bigger target. Um and give me Drake London, baby. Right. And, you know, there's there's something that um, Nate Tice, who works for the athletic, says, and he says, building a receiver room should be like building a basketball roster. And here's your power forward. Here's your center. You got smaller guys, faster guys. If you want to mix things up and have your big radius guy who can still move and still be be quick coming out of routes. It's not like he's Alan Lazard running a four, six, five or whatever he did out of Iowa state. Um, he's bigger. He's, he's faster than that. And, and that could be your guy too. Um, 
And then the last one would just be Jamison Williams, just because if he's any fraction of the player that he was before he tore his ACL, you're talking about a guy who can replicate the speed that Tyree killed it. So those are the guys that I see as as your trade-up targets if you're looking at that spot. Sam, I'm curious as to where where do you rank all these guys in your in your wide receiver ranks? Like who is the best wide receiver in this draft to you? Or, or why don't you go top three? Because that's all dependent, right? Because if, if you think Garrett Wilson's number one, I don't know if we can jump up to get him. But if you think he's four or five, then it's it might be likely. So I'm curious, what what's your ranking? How about just like the first five? Yeah. To, wide receivers to preface that. I will note that I've I've looked at a lot of different boards in preparing these. And there are guys all over the place on all of these receivers. I've seen Garrett Wilson sixth in terms of receiver really? rankings, which shocked me when I saw it. But I think that there's a lot of different opinions out there about who's at the top but i think for the most part the one that had wilson sixth i think is an outlier i think most people have kind of the same top five and that's i have wilson one olave two london three jameson williams four and then Traylon burks five hmm. okay you got you got burks over pickens yeah that sounds about right i do um you know pickens it's it's one of those that's kind of unfair because he wasn't a hundred percent last year. He came back from injury. If he has a full season, maybe he's higher because he's a guy that you know walking off the bus, you're like, oh, yep, that that guy, that's that's their receiver that we're scared of because he's big, he's fast, he's long, he he's quick in short area spaces, and that's the kind of guy that that you want on your team. Um, but I just didn't see him as quick um as he was uh, in his previous season it looked like the injury did slow him down a little bit so i have him actually behind Jahan dotson at six and behind oh. sky Moore at seven so mm. yeah interesting okay reese who do who would you want at 29 um you know it's, it's really tricky i like what sam was talking about in regards to having a receiver room mimic like a basketball team just because it feels like for the better part of the last two, maybe three years, I think I sent that photo to you, Armando, where it's like it's Mahomes, and then he's towering over three dudes to his left and his right, and it was Pringle, Hardman, and Hill. And, you know, it's you can only do so much with guys that can't get past their defender at the line of scrimmage. You know, if they, if they get bumped and suddenly they're off their route that throws the entire playoff, it's it's crazy. I wouldn't mind having a bigger body to throw to because it just came out today that Mahomes was saying at his receiver practice down in Texas, he's like, yo, the difference I'm seeing with, you know, guys like Juju right now and some of these other plays he brought in, Scantling, you know, th- there were some balls that would have been overthrows last year. These guys were able to come up and come down with. And I think that's a big, important thing for us going this year because, I mean, I-, I said it a million billion times last year being sour grapes about the Bengals, but I mean it. It's like... You have Jamar Chase, who's this like Swiss Army knife, do everything receiver. You got Boyd, he's like the big six five go up and get it receiver. And then you know Higgins is known to be messed with either. So you know they they have such a variety of wide receivers on that team. That's what makes them so difficult to defend. Also, that Joe Burrow kid's pretty good too, I guess. Whatever, who cares? But you know, I, I'd like to see the Chiefs. Don't go there. Don't do it. <laughs> don't don't go there. That another podcast for another I, day. I would like to see the Chiefs really branch out their receiver room 
Because what we need more than anything are guys that can create separation, be it vertically or be it with their speed, because Pat will be able to keep plays going for a long time, so long as he can trust you to get yourself open. That's what I see. Okay, great. So uh, so kind of, yeah, someone that's best available wide receiver uh, then, you think? No, I, I would say somebody who is probably a bigger body wide receiver, like you were talking about. You know, it's like I know a lot of people are huge. I know Olave, but he's kind of small. You know, he's only 6'1". Someone like Drake London, though, who's 6'4". And I'm seeing comparisons to, like, Kenny Galladay. It's like I was saying last year, if Kenny Galladay was going to play and we could get him at the right price, I would have loved to pick him up. You know, I, I would like a big body wide receiver who's a good route runner. We do not have a lot of good route runners or didn't last year in our receiving core. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with you there that we need someone that can really tighten those screws on offense. For me at 29, realistically, because I would love a Drake London and I don't think we need to move up in the draft for someone like a Drake London or someone like uh, Jamison Williams, although we're hearing a lot of buzz about Jamison Williams being um, traded up for with the Chiefs. But I think if someone like Traylon Burks drops to us at 29, and I don't even know if it's a drop if you have Traylon Burks, because if he is, if we rank him... I don't know, the sixth best or seventh best wide receiver. There shouldn't be six or seven wide receivers drafted before 29. If they do, then I'll be I'll be very, very surprised. But I think Traylon Burks might be the perfect option for us without moving up, still having our draft capital to kind of bolster that defense in round two, but still pick up a guy that really fits our team needs. I think he's six two, two hundred twenty five 225 pounds from Arkansas. And when you look at uh, game film with him in the in the SEC, a lot of times he was the best person on the field. I'm talking against, you know, Alabama or Georgia and all those guys like on offense, he still looked like he was the best. Um, great speed, incredible hands, which I know Reese mm -hmm. is going to love. We need someone that has glue hands. I don't even know if that's a real term. Um, but I think one thing that is not great about him would be his variety of route runs, uh, which Reese also would not like. But look, I think someone with his body type, someone who can catch, someone who is fast, and someone who is shown on a very competitive level in college football that he can succeed, and he would have a field day with this guy. I've seen some player comps with Debo Samuel with Traylon Burke. Sam, chime in if you disagree. But um, we've seen stuff like that. And of course, someone of that caliber, someone that can we can scheme for because he's a playmaker would be perfect for the Chiefs. Uh, Sam, what do you think about that Debo comparison? And do you think he can fall to us realistically at 29? Um, yeah, I... I don't disagree with the Debo Samuel comparison. Um, and when I was watching, when I turned it on for the first time, the way people had talked about him, I was worried that I was going to see shades of Cordero Patterson. And Patterson has been fine in the NFL here these past few years, especially this past year. Only, only one year. <laughs> right. But that's because the, the Falcons figured out that, hey, this guy is not a receiver. He's more of a gadget guy that is valuable out of the backfield because Patterson coming out of the draft had all of these measurables where he was shifty. He um, was big, he was strong and uh, long, his long speed was good. Um, but he didn't run very good routes and he didn't have very good hands. And so I was nervous that that, that was going to be what I saw from Burks. 
But that's not what he is really at all. He is a guy who can stretch the field vertically and track the ball over his shoulder and make awesome plays. And after the combine, I was a little nervous because I was in on Burks. I remember texting you guys, go watch Traylon Burks tape. Um, And then I saw his combine and he didn't test very well. Um, But after having some time and then seeing him at his pro day, he really doesn't worry me that much. I think he's going to be, he's going to be a solid option for whoever drafts him. The only problem is whether or not he gets to you or not. And I think that it's, it's entirely possible that four receivers are off the board before um, the, the most grotesque uh, evil despicable franchise in sports the green bay packers get on the raiders oh packers you're talking to an nfc north guy remember um but but they need a receiver as well um they traded away a star as well and i just i i would be surprised if if burks is sitting there if they don't pick him just to to mollify rogers because twitter is going to explode if the Packers are on the clock again in the first round and they don't pick a receiver for Rodgers. They're just going to lose their minds. Yeah, yeah, which is why, like, if if Traylon does go, then I really would not mind then a George Pickens or a Jahan Dotson at 29. I know it's probably a reach for Jahan Dotson at late first, but because of the need and because of his skill set, very different than a Traylon Burks. Actually, a little not he's not Tyreek Hill, but he's the closest thing to Tyreek Hill, right? A lot of his weaknesses are body size and not sure he's going to succeed in the NFL because of that. But I mean, same things they were saying about Tyreek Hill, but incredible speedy dude. So for me, if Traylon Burks does go to someone just above us, like the Packers, I think Pickens or Dotson, I'm, 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 I can live with that 29. I got an interesting question for you. If Jameson Williams drops because of his ACL tear and the fact he probably won't play this year and he's, sitting right there at number 29 do you take a chance on him you, oh, yeah. you run you don't walk to turn that card in if yeah. jameson williams is still there sure with the acl tear give me dude give me that acl tear baby jameson williams is probably the he i i think he has the highest ceiling out of all wide receivers oh, in the draft this year it, it's it's kind of crazy because so jameson williams you know has this season with Alabama where he's a revelation, but he was buried on Ohio state's depth chart behind Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave guys who are, Olave, yeah. are being debated alongside him. But his, his speed is just a different gear than anybody else at the position. If he can get back to that form. And I know that we're more comfortable now with ACL injuries than we used to be. Um, but I, I just, I, I think that even if he's slow um, or, or slower, I should say, you still take your shot with him and um, you, you, you trust in the advancements in, in medicine and um, you, you take a shot because if you hit it with him, then you probably don't entirely replace what you lost with Tyree Kill, especially in year one. But if you're talking year two, year three, year four, year five, you're going to have excellent production from a cheap, young, valuable player with Patrick Mahomes in his prime. And that's what you want. Man, you see, 
I'm something of an insider myself here as a ACL recovery victim. So I'm just saying I roll out of bed sometimes under the covers and my knee pops out and I'm grabbing at it. So I can't imagine being hit sure. by like 300 pound dudes going super fast and seeing how your knee holds up. So I, I have a bias in this race. I'm saying I don't want to mess with dudes with ACL injuries. And that's what makes me like kind of wary of pickings as well. Right. And there are guys with those those medical red flags. I mean, a few years ago, we were talking about Justin Ross for Clemson as one of those guys. And his wasn't an ACL, but for that for him, it was even scarier. It was a neck injury. And those those scare me to death with um, with with any anybody who's taking the kinds of hits that especially that receivers do, I guess. I mean, running back, I would be extra scared or quarterback, but. Um, those, those medicals are going to be really, um, big questions, especially for guys like, um, like Williams, guys like Pickens, guys like Ross, but all those guys, you know, if they're able to hit their ceiling and stay healthy and, and bounce back from whatever injuries they suffered from, um, then they're going to be guys who, who are going to contribute pretty early on, on NFL teams, I think. gentlemen we are back and that is right for our 100th beer review actually it may not be our 100th beer review but it, I mean, it's pretty close to our 100th beer review and today ladies and gentlemen we have a very special beer and a very special occasion so within between this episode reese has light zipped his way to colorado springs and he is here in the flesh Oh yeah, dude! Just the fleshiest of the flesh right now. I'm, I I could not miss the opportunity to do the 100th Fountain City Sports Media beer review with Hot Take Mondo. So Reese took like a $300 um, mega bus out here from Kansas City just to do this beer review. So please donate on Patreon so that we can at least pay for Reese's mega bus from Kansas City to Colorado Springs. No, I'm just kidding. So we've already done our episode and we we're kind of splicing this in because Reese is going to have a performance in Cheyenne, Wyoming. And what happens to be on the way from Kansas City to Cheyenne, Wyoming? Oh, yeah, that's right. Colorado. Colorado Springs, baby. So Reese is here in between the episode. It's going to be weird when we cut it, but it's okay. Um, Reese just came. We had a great time. Let's see. What did we do? Reese and I went to a tap room. That was really fun. It was one of those self-board taps. And we tried some beers from Cerebral Brewing from Denver. We tried some Four Noses. We tried some Wiley Roots. Some, uh, we tried some Weld Works. I don't know what else we tried, but just a lot of great beers from Denver. Reese, what was your favorite beer today? Well, I think it was that Wiley Sour, right? It was like the chocolate mm. strawberry shortcake smoothie sour. Yeah. That was really unique, easy to drink, not too sweet, and very well mixed. So that's my, my uh, MVP. And this is actually Reese's first, is that correct? This is Reese's first smoothie sour? Yeah, I've never had a smoothie sour yet before today. So I got to say, I think the the style has legs to it. I'm interested to see where it goes and if it really takes off across other breweries across the country. 
Excellent. So stay tuned at your uh, at your local liquor liquor store. See if you can find some smoothie sours because they are incredibly sweet, thick, but uh, definitely I think they're a beer of the future. So that's going to be really great. Um, we had some great beers today, but you know what? I've been saving this beer that I've had for quite some time, and I am ready to open it up and have it with one of my good friends on the 100th episode of Fountain City Sports Media Beer Review. That's right. Today, we are going to review a beer that I got from, I don't know if he's patron zero, but he's definitely at least Patreon number zero oh, he, right patron zero patron zero he is everything number zero that's right jordan from iowa cedar falls right yep cedar falls or just where you were at yeah so jordan one of our og guys um again i've only met jordan a handful of times but um one time he was passing by decor iowa and, and he just messaged me out of the blue and said armando i want to i I want to buy you some beer so that you can have some with you. And I was like, no, dude, you don't have to do that. And, and he went ahead and bought me a whole box of beers. I mean, Jordan, a really awesome guy. And one of the beers that he got me was one that I specifically wanted. Actually, I said, you know, if there's anything, please get me this beer. Um, and I was like, just get that. I'll go ahead and reimburse you. But he went ahead and got me a ton of different beers. But he got me this beer and I've waited to open it for a special occasion 100th episode reese is here in colorado springs it is time for that beer so ladies and gentlemen today by the courtesy of jordan our patreon and our patron number zero we are going to be reviewing term oil a coconut monster cookie barrel aged stout from toppling goliath Oh, man, this thing is chonky and chunky. I cannot wait to crack this open. Toppling G making some of the realest Imperial Stouts in the game. Reese, have you had this one before, the Coconut Monster Cookie? I think I had the regular term oil that I think was just an Imperial, barrel-aged Imperial Stout, but I have not had the Coconut Monster Cookie variation of it, so I'm Ooh. very excited. This is going to be great, ladies and gentlemen. Not only are we having this, but you know, this is maybe our... Uh, I actually won't say what number of beer this is for us today, but this is going to be great for us to have. So, Reese, go ahead and do us a favor. Go ahead and open this and pour this into separate glasses for us. Yo, what is this? What is this <laughs> it's Gunta, dude. Oh, it is Gunta. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Shout out to Gunta. So he's using my uh, my refrigerator um, leader. Ho- it's like a girl in a leader hose, and, and uh, she's also a bottle opener. So here we go. It's pouring in the glass. Oh my goodness! Literally, it looks like you're getting an oil change, and you're putting some uh, motor oil in there. But of course, it's gonna taste so much better. Motor oil? <laughs> Do people still buy motor oils? Do they think? I don't even know. Do they die with the razor? Shout out to Motorola, friend of the podcast. I feel like construction workers still have Motorola. I think I've seen them. There's a lot of construction workers here. All right, so let's do just an honorary cheers, 100th cheers. episode. Congratulations, Reese, for a lot of fun times. And here we go. Let's do aroma. So let's just go back and forth. How about I go first? So aroma on this guy. Man, um, I haven't even tasted it, but I know the viscosity is going to be off the charts on this one. Um, very chocolatey. Um, I don't even know. It's a very like jock, sorry, dark chocolatey. I've never had chocolate wine or like chocolate liqueur, but I would say it's closer to that than it is even a chocolate beer. Um, I get some of the coconut, but really 
much more of this like um, alcoholic-y chocolate, which I guess would be very good to this style. So smells really good to me. How about a how about an eight point five? What do you think, Reese? You know, for all of the adjectives going in this beer, coconut, monster cookie, barrel aged, uh, the aroma isn't actually as overpowering as I would have thought it would be on something like this. I agree with Armando. I get dark chocolate in there. I think the more it opens up, the more I'm getting some of that coconut to the point that it's getting to be kind of that like Girl Scout coconut delight style scent. But it's enticing. I love me some coconut. The spear smells delicious. I'm going to give an 8.3 on aroma. 8.3. Okay. All right. Solid eights across the board. Now let's go ahead and see appearance. Reese, why don't you start this one for us? What does this beer look like? You know, it's it's definitely dark. It's not as thoroughly viscous as I would have thought. It's got some movement in there. I got some little floaty white bits in there, which I don't know what that stuff is. Yeah, I think we have some adjuncts in there. Some adjunct action. We've had it for a long time. I just want to make sure I didn't like exhale and sneeze boogers in my beer or something. That's all <laughs> no, I care no, no. about. Uh, but uh, don't see a whole lot of carbonation. Not a lot of lace on the glass. Very interesting. Very nonchalant. I'm gonna give appearance on this uh, a seven one. Doesn't doesn't do anything special. Yeah, I definitely thought that with like a barrel aged stout, it would be a little more thick, maybe more chunky. But this one is a little more thin on the look. Um, like you said, maybe not a lot of legs on it, but a good amount of legs because there's a lot of sugar in it. Uh, we do see some adjuncts in here. So we've had this for a little bit. We've had this for I don't know how many months, but with something this thick, it's OK to have a imperial stout or something of stout nature that has a lot of percentage of beer you can have it for about six months even even more than that so i think some of the adjuncts are okay in here looking pretty good but yeah i think i'd want something a little bit slicker a little more thicker i think so how about an 8.5 because i know it's still going to be a great beer but i think if it was a little thicker maybe put in the nine category Pretty awesome, though. And now we go to our favorite category, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. It's flavor. So let's go ahead and both uh, give this a sip. Try to not drink some of the uh, extra stuff that's floating in there. Oh, yeah. All right. So off the bat, um, very syrupy, um, almost like maple syrup I get. I get some chocolate on there. I get a hint of the coconut, not so much on there. But I would say if like... If like a, I don't even know what what's a brand of syrup anymore. Oh my goodness, uh, Aunt Jemima really comes to mind. I was just about to say Aunt Jemima, but I know that Aunt Jemima's been canceled, so oh, I didn't want to say. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Uh, uh, we can keep it in there. I mean, it's not bad to say that. It's Fair. just it's not a syrup anymore. But anyway, it's just like your typical syrup, but maybe you've put a little like cocoa powder in it. Um, Still very nice chocolate flavor, a very good finish on that. So how about for me an 8.6? What do you think, Reese? Yeah, again, uh, for all the adjectives in here, uh, I don't think it's overpowering in its flavor, which is nice. Uh, I do get the coconut in there for sure. I wish I got a little bit more of the monster cookie, to be honest. Mm. I'm not getting much of the uh, the oats or like the M&M or chocolate chunks that I feel like you get with the monster cookie. Vanilla. Uh, I feel like Toppling Goliath usually has quite a bit of vanilla in their barrel-aged imperial stouts, but don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm just being, I am being so picky right now just because like Toppling Goliath is so good in such high regards. Like you almost have to grade them on a curve to themselves, but no, I, I love the aftertaste. I'm getting a little bit more kind of the, the baked cookie aftertaste uh, the more it settles in. 
So for that, I'm probably going to give this an 8.5 on flavor. All right. Some solid eights across the board. Reese, the next category is going to be mouthfeel. Let us know what you feel on the mouthfeel. Mouthfeel is where I'm going to give us a good grade here. I like the fact that, like Armando said, this is a 13.9 barrel-aged imperial stout, but it's not too heavy in the mouth. It's uh, it's not thin. It's kind of like a, it's kind of got like a, a juice quality to it in terms of its viscosity. It's not cloying. It's not making my mouth feel fuzzy. I think for having all of the adjuncts in a 13.9 barrel-aged imperial stout, I think they did a great job of not having this be too much in the mouth. So for that reason, I'm going to give mouthfeel probably a 9.3. All right, 9.3. While he was doing that, I was having a bite of pizza. And also looking at what just happened, so this will give away when we're giving this, but game two, uh, Bucks, uh, Bucks, Bulls, Bulls pull it off. We just find out that um, Middleton just sprained his MCL. Did he really? Yeah, I just saw that. He's out for He's got to be out for the series at least with a spring MCL, right? Probably. That's not good. That's not great. Man, so many injuries in this playoffs. Um, Yeah, I mean, this is like the Sixers series to lose. I mean, the Sixers conference to lose because in the West with the Suns. Oh, actually, the Warriors actually playing really well. So, I don't know. Uh, just a spoiler here. I think it may come down to Warriors. Sixers just going to say it here. But... I go back to our beer review. That was just breaking news here on Fantasy Sports Media. So, what else do we got? So, we have mouthfeel. So, mouthfeel for me, this is definitely lighter than I would want for an imperial stout. Um, I think I would want it to be less syrupy and more have more context to it, a little more thickness to it as opposed to that you know, softer syrupy taste on the mouthfeel, a little lighter than I would want. Um, regardless, sometimes when you get a like very syrupy taste, um, the, the ingredients are compromised, but honestly, I still get true flavors in all of this. I get the coconut, a little bit of that monster cookie, I get the chocolate. Um, so overall it's actually still very good, even though it's a little too syrupy for me. So how about for me, I give mouthfeel a 7.8. Now we go from mouthfeel, we go to aftertaste, Reese. After a couple sips of this going down, um, any other flavors you get that you didn't get the first time? I'll just say the aftertaste is where the shines. It's after a couple couple breaths, you get that kind of buttery, bready cookiness to it. And it's also, to me, really when the coconut comes out. And you know what? That seems to be a big thing on Top and Goliath. They really have really good aftertastes on their beers. They don't get weird. They don't get, like, burnt sugary. So, you know, for just kind of staying in its lane and not doing anything too crazy, I'm going to give aftertaste on this probably a uh, 8.3 again. 8.3. Yeah, it's 8.3 is great. I, I kind of agree with that. It It's getting a little lighter in taste for me. I'm getting a little more flavor, actually, and it's getting more focused. On that chocolate flavor, let's see if I get anything else here. Still pretty shallow on the coconut, though. Um, the The sweetness of the chocolate is coming in even more, so it's not so much as a dark chocolate. Like dark chocolate is definitely less of a sweet. Now I'm getting more into the middle, like a milk chocolate. Uh, still very good flavor. So how about an eight point one on aftertaste? Ooh, sorry. I know. I just had some pizza, so that's why I'm burping a little bit. Okay, and to finish it out, am I missing anything other than our BDQ? 
Uh, wow. Speaking of BDQ, Joel Embiid hitting a uh, game-winning three-pointer. Wait, was that really the game-winning three-pointer? Game oh, my gosh. Sure. Yowza. Wow, and that's actually a great. Wow, you're right. Man, we we missed some good basketball today. We sure did. We had a good memory. <laughs> Which is why David said MB at the end. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay, so we are now at BDQ, also known as our Stonks Drinkability Quotient. So, Reese, how badass is this beer? What makes this beer unique? Um, how hipster is this beer? As we've been talking about some hipsters today. Now, being in Colorado and seeing all the hipsters today, we were just at a brewery that had like a bike club meeting and had like bike trivia. And then we went to another brewery that had like nerd trivia. It was pretty fun. Uh, stonks. Is Stonks up on this guy or Stonks down on this guy? You know, so here's the thing. I'm going to give you two, two answers to that. In terms of the actual beer itself, I'm going to say Stonks are actually kind of st- holding Pat to going kind of down. I have had uh, more exciting stouts from Toppling Goliath. I think that S'mores pastry stout comes to mind off the top of my head. Um, I had a coffee milk stout there a couple years ago with Jordan that also was just like out of this world. This one, don't get me wrong, this is good. By like any other non-Toppling Goliath standards, this is a fantastic out of this world beer. But... I think the missing ingredient in this is, I'm I'm sure it exists, but it probably could have used a little bit more presence of vanilla. Mm -hmm. I think that really would have tied all of these things together in terms of the monster cookie flavor. I just feel like I kind of missed that. Some sort of vanilla butterscotchiness. However, as Armando alluded to, the fact that Patron Zero Jordan Bachman was the one who hooked us up with this beer, the fact that I'm getting a chance to drink this with Hot Take Mondo, and the fact that it's Toppling Goliath, one of my all-time favorite breweries, the Stonks drinkability quotient on that is through the roof. So combining those two together, I think let it be 8.3, 8. 8.3. 8.3, 8.3. Oh, yeah. Let it be. Yeah, absolutely, Reese. So I kind of agree with you all the way around. Like, yes, I've had better Imperial Stouts, but I think for what this is, I think it's very impressive still. Um, I would like a little more roundness to the flavor. It is kind of singular when it comes to flavor and very singular when it comes to mouthfeel. I would like a little more depth on the mouthfeel and maybe a little more variety of like flavor profile, maybe a little more of the coconut and the monster cookie, as you alluded to. It's just really, um, really hitting in on that syrup and really hitting on that chocolate. So I would love something a little more rounded. But because you said, look, this is Toppling Goliath, got to respect it for its style, got to respect it for for, for the brewery itself and of course like this is still better than your your average joe imperial style like this is still one of one of the the better beers that you can get at the supermarket or anything like that um, and because i'm here with with the reese incarnate bach lesnar and this was donated graciously by our boy jordan patient zero um a great beer, a great time that we've had today. So how about an 8.3 on Stonks Drinkability Quotient? With all the Toppling Goliath beers, Reese, I think you and I are going to have to make a trip out to Decora and really do like a live pod out in Decora. Oh, absolutely, dude. The, the tap room is incredible. I heard they're making another one somewhere maybe. Really? That, that could just be hearsay though. But In I- like in Decora or we're going like outside Iowa? Uh, I heard it's uh, potentially somewhere else in Iowa. I haven't heard where yet, Ooh. but I mean, that's that's a good sign of that brew is expanding. So. That would be nice. And we also have uh, original castmate uh, Kyle Neg who also lives 
in Des Moines. So maybe if it's closer to Des Moines, we get we get the three guys back together. We'll see. All right, ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned for the second half of our draft episode. We have a lot of great stuff happening after this, so stay tuned. This has been a fun episode. Reese and I are probably going to crank some 2K to end the night. Um, We'll talk about it on the next episode, see who wins this uh, 2K match. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you again, and consider donating on Patreon, just $2 a month. Actually, Netflix is cracking down. Did you you hear that today? I heard that Netflix is losing subscribers, unlike us. Ah, So Netflix is actually cracking down on, on like, people that are borrowing passwords so look if netflix is cracking down you don't want to pay another eight bucks because now five people can't use your password go ahead and donate two to two bucks a month to patreon and we're going to put that money to good use stay tuned We, we, we're going to draft a generational wide receiver. Patrick Mahomes will have seven championships and the Vikings will have zero. Now, moving on, let's look at pick number 30. So we've we've drafted our wide receiver. Sam, who are you picking at 30 if you did not already trade it away? Yeah. So looking at the Chiefs needs, you're probably looking at corner edge. Um, and if you're at 30, I think the the edge is pretty deep but the top guys that you're looking at are probably gone um you know obviously hutchinson is is you know we're talking probably the first overall pick if not the first then maybe the second um and i think that trayvon walker has a legitimate chance to go top two as well he he has tested insanely well um to the point where he might be the most athletic um, well-rounded edge we've ever seen. The only problem is Georgia didn't ask him to pin his ears back and just try to slaughter quarterbacks. Um, he was tasked more with contain and run defense, and he did both of those things very well. But it's just hard because you're projecting. You haven't seen it. You've seen Aiden Hutchinson just say, I see um, – Spencer Spencer Petrus or Adrian Martinez back there, and I'm going to go and I'm going to try to to take his head off. And um, we've seen that from whether it's Kayvon Thibodeau or George Karloftis or Jermaine Johnson, those guys we we've seen that from. So Walker, while he has this insane athletic profile, we we haven't seen him do the things that we want to see. a a number one pick at edge position do, which is the only red flag, but to get back to, to the chiefs, because they're not going to get him. Sorry, tough tacos. You're probably looking more at guys like, uh, I'm going to mispronounce this last name probably, but Arnold Ebikite. Ebikite. Um, however it is, you pronounce it. He's a a Penn state guy. (laughs) He's a, a temple transfer. Um, he's, a really interesting edge prospect for me. He's very well-rounded. He does pretty much everything very, very well. Um, other guys that you could look at at this spot, um, 
Armando, I know you, you've been looking at David Ajabo despite that Achilles injury, which I get. Who cares about, who cares about Achilles injury? Give me Jamison Williams and Ajabo sitting out a full year. And then 2023, no one's ever seen a team like the Chiefs. Yeah, I. It, it it could work, but it, it the Ojaba <laughs> one really because it obviously it's it's more fresh and it's um, a, a very difficult injury to to return from. And also Ojabo, as good as he was, and as he had these really flashy moments, almost where he looked more dangerous than than Hutchinson opposite him. I was talking to David, and David said when I was watching Michigan. Um, you know, wreck offensive lines. Ojaba was the one that scared him. And to a certain extent, I agree. But at other times, he's still learning the position. He hasn't played as long as um, other guys here have. And so he's going to take some time to develop. And if you're already sitting out a year with an injury, that's that's tough. Um, and then the only other guy I would mention here is is Boy Mafe. Uh, he's uh, an edge rusher from Minnesota. And he's even more of a projection. Uh, he's got all of the athletic traits that you want. Um, and you just didn't see it consistently with, with the Gophers. So it is a big projection if he's going to pan out. But he tested really, really well. And somebody either at the top of two or the end of one, I think, is going to be – they're going to be too uh, drawn by, by those traits. And, and they're going to take a shot, I think. Other than that, you're looking at corners. Um you know, maybe Andrew Booth slides to that point. Maybe Kair Elam is there or Kyler Gordon from Washington. Um, any of those guys I think would be good. I think Booth would probably be the best of that bunch. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of jumping off what you were saying about Ajabo, if Ajabo falls to us and we don't go Jamison Williams at 29, say we do pick up someone that is not a project um, or has struggled with injuries, I think Veach would would definitely uh, jump the gun on David Ojabo in a good way because if he does pick two players in the first round with serious injuries, I mean, Veach is not going to have a happy day with media if we do go that route. So... I think a Jabo only happens if we do get a solid guy at 29 that has no injury risk. Uh, looks like he's going to be the star and can kind of take the attention of the media. And then we pick David Ojabo if he does fall that far and then sit him for a year. Uh, kind of make sure we get the most that we can get out of Frank Clark. We still, I mean, jury is still out. Am I correct on uh, on uh, Melvin Ingram? He has not signed yet with someone else. He's just been in talks. So, man, if we get a Jabo, try our best to get Ingram back and let a Jabo sit. I think that may be the best route just because injuries, even though fresh stuff like this with technology, people are less afraid of Achilles injuries these days. Um, although we know our um, our fellow podcaster Reese has nightmares about his um, or his ACL injury. Sorry. Um, I think this would be a great fit. He's a freak. He's a long athlete, like you said. He hasn't played the position as much as other people, which is impressive. The um, the skill set that he already has, people call him toolsy, right? Has so many different moves in his arsenal, yet he's so young and so inexperienced off the edge. So would love a guy like him. And if we think that we can move back in the draft, this is where I might move up, actually, to get a guy like Jermaine Johnson. I think if Jermaine starts to fall... I I don't know where he's necessarily projected with certain people, but 
I'm seeing Jermaine dropping down to like 15, 14 in that area, 14, 15, 16, and would love to jump up in that area, whether that means we have to give up the 30th pick or the 29th and something else, like a third or fourth rounder. I love the way he plays. We've seen him dominate. Um, he, We've also seen him on edge, but also this like hybrid Micah Parsons role where sometimes he could play the outside linebacker, uh, which would be a great tool for the Kansas City Chiefs to have, something we haven't had I don't I don't even know in the last time we've had a hybrid player like that so if we can get someone like that who's just very physically impressive and can also play different roles on Spag's off or sorry defense then I would love to go that route trade up for Jermaine Johnson you know one thing you didn't point about Jermaine Johnson is that obviously he's a great player but he also would be the teammate to our defensive end draft pick last year Joshua Kane though and I'm a bit of a sucker for guys that were kind of pairs in college and I think this year I know it's a bit of apples to oranges but they're both fruit that we saw Joe Burrow throwing it to Jamar Chase all year I think there's something to be said for college teammates that were great in college being on the same pro team that's a good point. And, and we'll see what the hell happens with uh, Kane though. Cause I haven't heard his name in three years. He's, he's, he's getting built. He's getting built. He's, he, he better. <laughs> he freaking better. You know, what's funny is though, I think through all the talk that I don't think either of you guys mentioned anything about Karloftis. Are we not big on that guy? I really like Karloftis. I don't think he's there. I don't, I, I think he, when I think of Karloftis, I can't help but think of him in a Baltimore Ravens Jersey. And maybe they, they do have a need at edge and, and maybe um, they go elsewhere with that pick. I know that they need uh, help at other spots, especially in, at, at corner. So maybe if Trent McDuffie is there, maybe they pull the trigger there. But Karloftis is a guy that I just don't see dropping to that point. If he does, absolutely snatch him up. Um, but I, I just honestly don't see him falling that far. I I wouldn't be opposed to Karloftis. I just don't put Karloftis in that tier one. So like tier one for me, Aiden Hutchinson, Thibodeau, uh, Trayvon Walker, and then Jermaine Johnson. I think those are the studs at edge. And then I put Karloftis a little bit lower just because... Uh, from what I've like seen and researched, uh, I know a lot of times people say a good edge runner is someone that has good bend, maybe a little more wiggly than some other people that can really get out and get it and not stiff. And that's something that I've been hearing from multiple people about George Karloftis. I haven't done a lot of, you know, look on the film. So Sam, you can comment on that, whether you think he has that bend and that wiggle that really kind of sets him apart. Um, but he's definitely in that tier two for me. And I would just rather have a good value at tier two um who did i say for a jabo who is like basically tier one um or moving up to that tier one just because we have the capital to do it and we might as well invest in that position that is probably the most nerve-wracking position for the kansas city chiefs going forward what do you think sam yeah he's the last guy i i agree that he's kind of in that uh he's not in that upper echelon with um, Hutchinson and Walker and Thibodeau, those are the, the kind of top three that I have. Um, but I do think that he's he has a, a solid first-round grade. Um, I have him, I think, 19th on my board overall, um, kind of right in there with Jermaine Johnson. I think those guys are two very similarly situated players. Karloftis, I think, has shown more than Jermaine Johnson in terms of getting to the quarterback with, um, you know, 
good hand technique, sufficient bend and, and flexion in those ankles that you talked about, Armando. He's not he's not Von Miller, where it's almost like he's parallel to the ground because he's just a, a freak athlete. Those guys are are so rare. Karloftis is is not necessarily that bendy, but he's just a guy who who finds ways to get to the quarterback and. Uh, sometimes that's all you need, and and Karloftis will will get it done, and he he checks all the boxes. And uh, while he might not have the freakiest of traits, he's still a freak in his own right. All right, um, moving forward, I'm going to skip ahead just for sake of time because we're having sure. a lot of fun here, and we're getting some good information. Um, so, Sam, we have picks. 50 62 and 94 after all this is happening give me some guys on your board where you say how in the hell is this guy my 50th 50th best or my 60th best like you know what in a in a different draft these guys would be uh, 20 30 so give me give me some of those guys that us as Chiefs fans should be monitoring that you think are just absolute studs. It's just maybe a deep draft in certain ways or uh, other things that have happened, whether it's off the field issues or injuries. Yeah. Um, so if you're looking at kind of the same positions, you're you're probably taking a look at um, Sky Moore, which I mentioned earlier. I, I think this is where I would have George Pickens in that that second round you might have to trade up to go and get him um maybe in the in the 40s but he could still be there around pick 50 um jalen tolbert is another receiver from south alabama that i really like um christian watson we've talked about from north dakota state big mm-hmm. question marks um freaky guy freaky traits but um not you don't want to reach on him and miss um, because that, that would really set you back. That's a guy that you, you snag if he's in the right spot at the right time, um, which, you know, I, I have him around 66. I think that's, yeah, that's, that's my grade for him. Um, so you could take him there if you want. Um, one player that I really like is, and again, I'm going to mispronounce this name, is Daniel Falele. I think that's how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. He's an offensive tackle for Minnesota, and that is not a position that we've talked about. Um, but if you want a, a mammoth of a man uh, on the right side of your offensive line, that's we do. him. <laughs> he's, he's, I think, 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, he's huge. He's like, he's like and, the second biggest guy ever in the draft, isn't he, for that position? Yeah. Yes. He, he, he reminds me of Phil Lodeholt, which was one, maybe the best name for an offensive lineman ever who played for the Vikings back uh, maybe a decade ago. He's just a mammoth of a man. You, you slot him in there. He's great in the run game. He probably needs uh, a little bit of refinement in the pass game, but right tackle is kind of one of those quasi needs for the chiefs that I could see them looking at. Um, and other than that, you're kind of still looking at the same maybe the corners that that are more um, second round guys like Elam or Gordon um, shout out to a Nebraska Cornhusker Cam Taylor Britt. I think if, if those other two guys that I mentioned are gone, that, that Taylor Britt could be a guy that the, the chiefs look at. Um, and if you really want to go for traits, maybe you take a shot at Tariq Woolen. I don't know uh, if that's a name you guys have heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's, He's out of UTSA um, and his 
he looks like he was built in a lab for what you want your prototypical corner to look like. Um, he's tested well. He has all the traits. He he has short area quickness. Really, the question is, um, he he played at UTSA. He wasn't playing against top tier um, competition, and he has some technique that he needs help with. So, if he can clean those things up, if he can figure out um, how to anticipate uh, what quarterbacks are going to decide to do. Um, then I think that there's a legitimate chance that he could be a steal in the second round just based off how athletic he is. You know, I was actually curious if you're going to say, Woolen, because I think, you know, offensive tackle is definitely something we should look at in this draft, but our cornerback room right now, secondary as a whole, is pretty threadbare, and Woolen really would kind of fill that gap. We lost to Charvarius Ward because Ward was a bigger, taller, longer corner as well, and Woolen is, I think he's like 6'4 and like just north of 200 pounds or something like that, so he'd be great. I saw a draft profile video of him too the other day, and I think he was a converted wide receiver, wasn't he? Yeah, I, I think so, and that's why you see those those traits pop up where you're like, is this guy is he supposed to be playing on the defensive side of the ball, or should he be? Yeah, should he be a six four guy blazing down on a nine route, hoping to to get past your your safeties? Well, you see it all the time too with a lot of players that you know, we're probably the best athlete at their small school. So they played quarterback, but when it came down to brass tacks for D one, they get converted to play something on the defensive side of the ball. And I mean, just knowing how the offense thinks and how the offense functions from the defensive side of things really gives you an advantage for getting in your opponent's head and thinking, well, this guy is looking like he's going to do this, but I think he's going to fake that out and cut and do this route. And suddenly, you know, you're jumping that ball and you're taking it to the house for six. So I like Woolen a lot. I think he'd be a really fun get somewhere with probably like maybe our second second round pick if he's still there at that point yeah i think yeah, that I'm, that's that's where you take him go ahead armando oh no no if um i know i was actually just going to agree with with sam rarely do i agree with sam <laughs> um and rarely do i want to root for his nebraska corn huskers but um uh, cam taylor Britt is someone that i've been hearing a lot of in fact he's actually one of um mel kuyper jr a uh, father of sam kuyper jr uh, it's actually one of his favorite players in the middle of, uh, i think he has him going in the third round maybe or maybe even later than the third almost the fourth uh but again uh, uh kind of of a, a bigger built corner he's 511 but he's uh, 196 pounds um he has safety mentality i mean a really a really smart guy that would be awesome for uh for this spags defense one thing that i don't know if i agree on but some of the guys from arrowhead pride i i always keep track of kind of what they're saying and one consistent thing that they talk about is that Spags never goes for the stud cornerback. He always goes for the guys that kind of have the good skills and they most often than not will improve in Spags defense, which we saw right with Traverius Ward, Rashad Fenton, Legereus Sneed. All these guys really do mature. And I'm not sure whether it is Spags himself, um, the, the way that they scheme or the people that are coaching within the secondary. Um, but there is a common thread where the chief Chiefs love to draft kind of in the middle of the rounds, like a third round, a fourth round, a fifth round for a corner because
because you don't necessarily need to be a stud at corner when it comes to Spags defense. I don't know if I necessarily agree with it, but I think this draft can kind of tell us if that's going to be true because I do see a lot of talent like we talked about Cam Taylor Britt, also a guy not because of his name, but because of his talent, but partly because of his name, because he's my favorite athlete of all time. Kobe Bryant of Cincinnati, who uh, I think is going to go in the third round, would love to snag him in the late second. Um, He played great, I thought, during the college uh, football playoffs. Uh, big guy as well. Six, 193 pounds. Rarely do we have anybody over six, six foot over there in our secondary with the chiefs. So I think it would be fun to have someone like that, especially when we have these mammoths in the AFC West, like Mike Williams. Um, not that Devonte Adams is a mammoth, but of course he's an incredible wide receiver. I think we need someone that not that he has a freak body, but he's big and he's very intelligent corner. Would love to get a guy like that. Where do you see Kobe Bryant falling, Sam? Can can we snag him in the uh, third round, or you see him going much higher? Yeah, I, I have him. I think right outside of my top ten corners, he would have been probably the eleventh corner. Um, I think right in the third round is probably his sweet spot. If somebody really likes him, then then maybe you're talking about um, taking a shot in the late second round. But he he, you know, a lot of uh, attention has been given to his teammate Sauce Gardner just because. Um, he's projecting to be a, a top a five pick potentially. He he is great, and um, you know when this draft process started and he he hadn't tested as much, I thought maybe there was a chance the Vikings could get him at twelve. But the second he ran, um, I think he ran a maybe a four four five or a four five five, whatever it was, it was respectable enough to boost him up up draft boards given how long and. Uh, tall and the the production, unlike a lot of these guys that we're saying are projections, Sauce Gardner is not a projection. We've seen it from him. So, but I, I do like Bryant kind of right in that sweet spot of second and third round. Okay, so what if I awesome. what if I met you uh, halfway here? So I'm, I'm thinking back to Woolen that we were talking about. What if instead of him, we went with a more sure thing like Kyer Elam, someone who like went to Florida, kind of similar, a longer style cornerback, six foot two, still pretty athletic, but went up against SEC guys instead of going up against where's UTSA even at, like Conference USA maybe. Yeah, I can't remember if they're Conference USA or or, or Sun Belt, Fun Belt, I should yep. say. Um, <laughs> I'm not really sure, but uh, yeah, Elam would be would be good. You'd probably have to spend your, the higher of your second rounders, uh, for, for that one. Um, just based on, on what I saw, he's got, um, those same kind of tools. And, um, again, sometimes he, he gets a little grabby. He, he was penalized a decent amount, but it's not because, um, he can't hang with guys. It's just because the ball gets up in the air and for whatever reason, he, he, pulls a little bit and hopefully you can coach that out. I think getting Elon would be, would be solid. Kyler Gordon would be um, another good pick there. Uh, I like both of those corners. And then if you're looking, maybe, maybe you pass on woolen in, in the second and third and you, you kick the can down the road and you say, okay, I want to get a freaky guy later. I think Zion McCollum from Sam Houston state is mm-hmm. a, a later round guy who has those same kind of wow this guy is a freaky athlete um he's tested off the charts the level of competition and technique might not be perfect but his instincts are there the traits are there 
Um, so maybe you, you double up at corner, you take a shot with a more, uh, a higher likelihood of, of panning out a sure thing in two or three. And you hope that a guy like Zion McCollum is there, uh, in four or five. Yeah. Six to 200 pounds. My goodness. Hopefully he's there and maybe we can take a stab on him. Uh, running out of time here, Sam. So finish the sentence for us. Well, actually, this is more for you because I want this to be a precursor for sure. drafts on drafts with the 12th pick in the tw- in 2022 NFL draft. The Minnesota Vikings select. I pray to God it's Derek Stingley. I doubt he drops to us. Ooh. I was hoping his injury would scare some teams off, but then he ran really well at his pro day. He didn't run at the combine, and I just don't see him falling out of the top 10. I could see Trent McDuffie there. The Vikings have a desperate need mm-hmm. at corner, and McDuffie would be would be fine. Um, personally, if, if Stingley isn't there, um, maybe you trade down, you see what assets you can acquire. Maybe there's someone like the chiefs or maybe a, a, a new Orleans saints or Pittsburgh Steelers who, instead of going after a receiver are thinking, maybe this is my chance to go and get the quarterback that I want. Um, so I, I think that those would be solid options and, and I would have no problem if it's McDuffie. I think Vikings are going to pick Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati as their 12th pick and then get rid of Kirk Cousins. Uh, Actually, they can't. (laughs) New era extension, and he has a no-trade clause now, so for better or worse, man, we are where we are. How long did they extend him for? Didn't they just sign him, like, through this next year? Um, So they they shifted around the money this year, and then they gave him more money, I think up to $40,000. It's car-ish money. Um, that they gave him for next year as well, because this was supposed to be the last year of his deal Mm -hmm. and it was supposed to be a $45 million cap hit. And they, they either had to, to cut it or to trade him or to extend him. And they opted for the extension. So, and you know, I get it. You got a new regime, a new coaching staff. You don't want to go in with a young quarterback. You want a guy who say what you want about Kirk, but he knows the minimums for what he needs to do. So I, I get it. It's not super exciting, and, you know, it's it's life as a Minnesota Vikings fan. <laughs> Fran Tarkenton <laughs> punching air right Two. now. Very much so. <laughs> and, ladies and gentlemen, that was Sam Kuyper Jr., who you will see more of on drafts on drafts. As much crap as I give Sam, I've never met this dude in real life, but, boy, <laughs> are we good friends now after that After that uh, Fountain Fantasy group chat. And I look forward to more spicy debates on there and look forward to having you more on the podcast because you definitely know football, and it's great to have you on, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys, and uh, appreciate appreciate your time and your patience as you listen to all of my the coldest of my takes, Armando. I know it was trying for you. <laughs> Say, speaking about cold takes, do you want to make a take for David? Because David is a loyal listener on this podcast. Do you want to you want to start anything with him b- before you leave? No, I mean, he's just. It's almost like it's not worth it anymore when someone is that far beneath you. So, sheepers. <laughs> that's that's the fire we needed. Thanks, Sam. We'll see yeah. you next time. Thanks, guys.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Sam Kuyper Jr. from the infamous Fountain Fantasy Chat. Again, really fun having him on. He knows a lot about the draft, and we're super pumped for the draft very, very soon, so stay tuned for that. We'll have the video. We'll have the audio. We'll have it all for you, and please don't forget, if you loved our 100th episode, please consider donating $2 a month to this wonderful uh, podcast, but also to this wonderful friendship that Reese and I have and have, has just grown since we started this podcast. And it's been really, really great. Um, shout out to also special shout out to Kyle for for starting this podcast with us. Um, still one of our best friends and uh, contributors. He's just incredibly busy with his very successful life as a pianist, conductor, coach, all the things. So shout out to him for being one of the OGs. Um, let's shout out some of our other OGs, Reese. Shout out uh, some of our Patreon loyal fans, most of them. Oh, yeah, I got to gotta give a shout out to Patron Zero, who was there from the very beginning on Patreon. I got to give a shout out to GMC Jimmy. And uh, also got to give a shout out to Jojo Doom. I'm not putting actual names out there because I don't want telemarketers and solicitors knocking on their doors trying to get money out of them. <laughs> you know, I'm not about that life. But thank you to our Patreon subscribers. Uh, I mean, this is no secret. Casey Kid, Noah Metzger. Uh, he, so yeah. I, yeah, he, he was fine with that, though. I asked him about that one day. So, yeah. So his, his name's fine. <laughs> shout out to my brother who also was one of the first people to just listen to it to see if it was any good. Um, and yeah, he's, he was, he listened to everything up until the launch and obviously listened to like everything else too, but he was, he was our test guy for season zero just to make sure it didn't suck. Yeah. Um, he, so yeah, that was great. Yeah. Go ahead. He, you know, I was saying he was quality control. I forgot about that. Yeah. He, he did. A, he listened to all the Jordan pods. Uh, oh, we forgot the Jordan pods. That was, that was epic. Oh Yeah the jordan doing all of our our jordan talkbacks man a lot of good memories shout out to them shout out to our wives although i don't think logan's gonna listen to this episode but shout out to our wives for letting us mess around and have this uh this very uh fake hobby or fake sophisticated hobby that we've that we've put a lot of hours in (laughs) oh i just saw a meme recently it's like no what was it like want to turn him on in the bedroom turn to him and say i want you to start a podcast yeah, I saw. That. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, yeah. All all the facts there. So shout out to our lovely wives. Yep. Anyone else we need to shout out? I think that's all the OGs that have really kind of helped us. This whole village we've created. Dude, might wanna might wanna give a shout out to Stone Cold Chief Austin. I think he was the first, oh, of course, first like Kansas City <laughs> sports correspondent we had on the show. Not counting like a guest. I'm not, I'm not counting like Wyatt. I'm not counting Carlton. I'm not counting Courtney. But like, hey, we need someone to talk KC sports. So mm-hmm. he's been there since the beginning. Yeah. yeah. OG. All right. Shout out to all of them, Reese. Any closing thoughts before we leave? Um, Man, thank you for tuning into this extra long 100th episode spectacular. This really was fun to put on. And I do feel like it was the cherry on top of what a 100th episode should be. Uh, shout out Noah Metzger, friend of the podcast. Uh, we miss you a bunch. Shout out Kyle, OG host of the podcast. We can't forget the early days. We gotta, we'll get him back on here someday at some point. And uh, just shout out to all your listeners out there. Thank you for subscribing. If you like the podcast, give it a rating. Share it with your friends. Tell them to subscribe. That's how you build a network. 
Bada bing, bada boom. And also we did mention um, to kind of put a cap on a hundredth episode is uh, for for the hundredth episode week. Reese is visiting me so we can celebrate actually. Yeah. Now he's he, he has a gig, but luckily I am on the way to his gig and it'll be a lot of fun. Reese is coming to Colorado Springs. I'm going to show him the best breweries in Colorado Springs, which honestly not that many, but there's some good ones out there that we're going to have an excellent time. Stay tuned. Um, follow us on Instagram because I'm sure we're going to instantly Instagram a lot of that day or we'll try to Um, but anyway we will see you all next time stay tuned for some great drafts on drafts thank you for being here see you later we'd like to thank you for joining us today on fountain city sports media this podcast is brought to you by listener support so consider becoming a friend of the podcast Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to gain access to premium content including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Check out our website at fountaincitysportsmedia.com for more info on the podcast, social media, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes, and as always... I'm Reese, and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media.